12, first of all, and then we'll go to 13 through 17. It says, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which he brought forth, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water, it says it spewed out water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And look at these last two verses. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, uh, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you again, Lord, as, as Craig has prayed, as Brandon has prayed, and Lord, as the people even also have prayed with us and silently in their heart or even aloud. God, we ask you that you, Lord, would be glorified, that you would be lifted up above everything today. Lord, that we would have a worship service, that we would not have an experience, that we would not have a, a, a programmed service or a presentation of anything. God, I pray that as they may look this way because they're hearing the preacher, that God, they see you and not me. God, I pray that they would listen to the words of God today. I pray that all distractions would be uh, out of their minds, Lord. And as the scripture says, that they would take every thought that they have into captive, that they would bring it all together and that they'd be able to focus. Father, I pray for any of those who have a burden, who are struggling, who are going through times of difficulty in their life, that, that right now, Lord, that they would simply pray and say, Lord, we need you. I need you. Please help me during this time. God, please give me something. Give me some food. Lord, from your word of life, give me some nourishment. Give me a fresh drink of the water of the word of life. And Lord, I just ask you that you just help them. And God, for those that don't know you, our prayer is always that they would know you today. Lord, our prayer is not that only they would come, but Lord, that they would see what we have in Christ. They would wonder why we can have joy, why we could also weep and shout and cry even all, or, or even laugh, even at the same time because of the joy that we have in you, that we're not crazy that we're not nuts or we've lost our minds, but, God, that we have lost our lives because we give it all to you. And, Lord, what a wonderful joy it is. Lord, I just pray today that everyone here, Lord, would be in your presence and not in just each other's presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it all together. Amen. Um, this morning, as we preach about being under his wing, just in, in this small portion uh, of scripture there's so much there's so much in there and if you've got study notes with you uh, if you've got the church bulletin uh, I'd love for you to write those things down and the reason I ask you to write them down is because you won't remember those things later on you're gonna you're gonna go to Cracker Barrel after this and and you know you're gonna go in there and you're gonna try to order some biscuits or cornbread and they're gonna be out of it and you're gonna be frustrated and you're gonna forget the whole message because of bread okay you say how do you know that I know that all right um, and so if you write some of these things down, I know that I preach fast sometimes, you don't get it all, but hopefully it will help, and then you can come back. And, and always remember this, if there's things you don't understand, you talk to me. I mean, I'm very approachable. Um, I, I know last Sunday I was sweating really bad and didn't want to hug anybody, but I think it was mostly because you didn't want to really hug me. And, uh, but this week we're going to try to not do that, all right? I, I've got towels in the back. If I need to bring out towels, then I'll be able to wipe my shirt and body down. We can be able to shake hands at least, amen? But looking at this scripture, 
look with me at verse number 12 real quick. I want you to look at the end of verse number 12. The Bible says, because he knows he has but a short time. And there's six things that I want to try to preach to you today. And I know that some of you have already gotten scared already. And when I said the word six things, you already looked at your watch. You wasn't thinking, okay, six, like the devil number. You were looking at six going, there's no way we're getting out of here until 1245 or 1 if he's got six things because he mostly only has three. I'm going to try my best to get us out of here. First thing I want you to see is the perception of this dragon. Last week, the week before, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about who this dragon is and why they use the word dragon. I know that sometimes we can look at Scripture and we go, why don't we just call him the devil? Why don't we just call him Satan? Why don't we just call him <clears throat> Lucifer or all these other names? Why don't we just do that? Because some of these words are characteristic words. They're adjectives that describe who this devil actually is. The word devil means slanderer, that he slanders your name before God and before all people. The word Satan means adversary, which means he stands against you and God, that he's in the way. He's the one that's causing the friction between you and God and the relationship that you should have. And so when you look at the word dragon, you remember we talked about in the Hebrew, that word was like crocodile, that it's putting this uh, ferocious kind of uh, characteristic of Satan. It says in this earlier scriptures, it says he was a great red dragon. You remember we talked about that not being China but it being what? Being one that is fiery red, one that has such fierceness and anger and hatred and just toward you that he dis, he disgust, you disgust him and, and he's disgusted by you and it's just like he hates you. And I can't say that enough. And every time you hear the word, this dragon there, then you're understanding that, all right, this dragon did what? It said he slung his tail around and he took a third of the stars or the third of the angels of the Lord, right? We know that Satan or the dragon wanted the seat of God and that's why he despises Jesus so much because he sits at the right hand of the Father, right? That's why he despises you and I last Sunday when I felt like I could fly away, literally, like just zoom out of here and grab a hold of the rafters. We ended on that one scripture that says what? Because he has overcome. He says to him that overcome, to him I will grant to sit with me in in my seat, amen, in my throne, amen. Why? Because Jesus said, because I have overcome, right? And so when you look at that, it ought to just at least fire you up a little bit. And so looking at the perception of this dragon, when I started thinking about how he's got just a little bit of time left, you know, his perception is this right here. He has no time left on the clock, and he's trying his best to get others, just like he drew angels to follow him, he's trying to get others to follow him. We have a book, church, that's not some uh, grim uh, fairy tale or some story or some, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what the guy, the, where the sidewalk ends, Mr. Silverstein, not, not some kind of book to where you go, okay, this is the teams and that's the teams. We have an evil versus a holy God. We have an evil and Satan is not corrupted. He is corruption, amen. He is the author of what? Murder. He's the author of lies. He is the author of sin, amen. He's the first one that did that. But when you look at his perception, you ever stop sometimes and go, you know, look at Satan in the Bible and go, man, what, what are you thinking? Man, why don't you just stop? Anybody ever pray that before in their life? Won't you just, anybody ever say to him, won't you just leave me alone? You know, you, you pray sometimes and you go, you know you've already lost, not, you've got to know all these things because since the beginning in Genesis chapter number 3, verse 15, you already know that your head's going to be crushed and you're only going to be able to bruise the heel of Jesus. You know, you know that your end is coming, so why don't you just stop? Because his perception. 
his perception is something different. Look at what it says in verse number 12 at the end. It says, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. But now look in verse number 13, and you'll see the true perception. It says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth. You see that? When the dragon, when Satan saw that he was cast to the earth. When he actually saw that he was cast to the earth and that Jesus was what? resurrected and caught up into the throne of God. You see, some of us look at this scripture, and man, it's kind of hard because some of it is summary telling. Some of it's a story that's summarized, and then some of it is actually happening in the tribulation time. Let me show you, for example, if you got your Bible open, look over there with me at verse number 13. It says, and when the dragon saw he was cast to the earth, it says he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. But look at the next verse just there in your Bible. It says, and to the woman, it says, we're given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place look at these where she is nourished for a time that's one times that'd be two more right so that would actually be three and then a half a time what it means by time and then times and then a half a times is three and a half years so it's actually talking about the tribulation period. But when we're talking about the whole culmination of the story, of the nativity story, of how God would send his son, how he would die on a cross for our sins, or that he would be cut off for our sins, not necessarily on a cross, but it does say that he would be lifted up above all men, and if he was lifted up, he would draw all people nigh unto himself, amen? So it didn't necessarily say that the Romans would do this and pick him up on a cross and do these things, but it said he would be lifted up above all men just as Moses lifted up the serpent that was on the pole out in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up right and when you look at the scriptures we know that all the way from Genesis all the way through to Revelation there's this wonderful thread there's a wonderful storyline sister Darla that's carved all the way through sewn all the way through and that it is God loves you so much that he was willing to give his son for your sins and that he would suffer the payment of your sins be resurrected and caught back into the throne of God that there would be no that he would come in and conquer the penalty of death that he would come in and conquer what the payment for death and he would also give us the promise that's after death that he would we'd be resurrected that story was told that the bible even says this that Jesus Christ the son of god was slain before the foundations of the world before the foundations of the earth and what it means is is that when we look at predestination okay and when you look at the theory and the doctrine and the understanding of predestination god has has a predestinated plan. God's plan is that all people would repent and would come to him and that his plan was this, is that Isaac would never be enough to offer for the sacrifices of people. That Moses, as good as he was, would never be enough to offer himself because he had sin in him and on him. But since the foundations of the earth, the Bible teaches us, Jesus Christ, who had what? No sin in him, but our sin on him, would die for the sins of the people that were created by an almighty hand of God and that it was a plan to do what? Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. There is a predestinated plan and that is this. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, will be saved. Amen? So when you look at this, Satan understands the predestinated plan. Have you ever thought for a moment why angels cannot be saved? Nowhere in Scripture do you find an angel being redeemed. Nowhere in Scripture do you find an angel repenting of their sins and being saved. Now, some of you may look at that and go, well, you know what? I've never thought of that before. Why 
can't they be saved? Why can't they be redeemed? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that salvation is so wonderful that the angels desire to look into it. They're fascinated that God would redeem and save creation who is wicked because of sin. But the Bible never shows us of one angel <coughs> excuse me, that was ever saved or repented of their sins. You know why? Because they were in the beginning in creation with God. They understood and stood by God, stood by the throne, and know the plan of God, but turned away from it with having truth of what? Having truth of God the Father, having truth of God the Son, and having truth of God the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible says that Jesus said there was a parable. He says, and in that parable there was a vineyard, and that he lent out his vineyard to a husbandman. The Bible says that whenever they went out into the field to work the field, that they wanted to take the field over because they thought it was theirs. You know what that is? It's disobedience. It's the same thing that Eve did and Adam did in the Garden of Eden. They thought they knew better than God than to be full and eat of all the other trees of the Garden of Eden. All they had to do was stay away from the one, but they could not do that, and they went and ate of that one, right? So here we are in the Scriptures looking at, that it says the husbandman lent his vineyard out, and when he lent the vineyard out, it says they wanted to keep it for themselves. And so the father or the owner of the vineyard, which is God the Father, he sent what? He sent people in. <clears throat> Bible says he sent prophets to speak to them. It says he sent all of these people to warn them. And you know what they did to the prophets? They killed them. The Bible says they stoned some. They sawed some asunder. They did all of these things to the prophets. Even Isaiah himself, that the history tells us that they sawed him or sawed him in two with a wooden sword. Killed them. The Bible says that the owner of the vineyard said, you know what I'll do? Okay, therefore, I'll send my son into this vineyard. They will respect my son because he's an heir. But when he sent his son to the vineyard, you know what the people that were working the vineyard said? They said, oh, wow, now an heir to the vineyard has come. Surely we will kill him, and then he will not be able to leave it to anybody else. It will be ours, right? So what they do? They killed the son. Then Stephen is there in Acts chapter number 7, and then Paul comes in in Acts chapter number 8 and chapter number 9. But as Stephen, that wonderful speaker of God, that wonderful deacon, amen, amen, deacon preacher, all right? And listen, he's standing there before them all, and he looks at all of those people there that day, those Jewish crowds, Brother Mitch, and he says, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. You resist the Holy Ghost. He said, you are rebellious and a stiff-necked people. He said, you, listen, what he was saying was, is he was fulfilling the vineyard parable. He said, God has sent himself as the Father. Moses came and he said, who am I going to tell him that sent me? He said, you tell him the I am sent you. And what that is translated as is that he is Yahweh, that he is Jehovah, that he is all in all. Amen. God the Father came to the people. They rejected him because he's the owner of the vineyard. Then he said, I'll send prophets and others. And he said, God sent you prophets. God sent you Isaiah. God sent you Jeremiah. And you killed them. And you stoned them. And he says, now in these last days, God has sent his son in the form of man. And you crucified him. He said, you killed the, uh, the heir of the vineyard and you crucified him. And then he turns around at the end of it all and he says, and you do always resist the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You know what he was saying? You ever heard the scripture before that the Bible says that there will remain no more sin for you, there will remain no more sacrifice for sin for you, and that the sin of unforgiveness or that is unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Do you know what that is? 
You know what blaspheming is? That is in the sense of mocking, but not making fun of. What it means is, is when the Holy Spirit says, you need Christ, you need salvation, you mock and say, I don't need anything of your God. You have now, you're blaspheming God. You are rejecting the Holy Spirit of God. God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves there by rejecting the Holy Spirit of God. And Stephen pointed it out and said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And you know what he says? He said, you've rejected the Father, you've rejected the Son, and you've rejected the Spirit. You know what happens when you reject the Father and you reject the Son and you reject the Holy Spirit? You got nothing else. You got no more hope. You got nothing else. You may say, I don't believe in God, and here comes Jesus, and I don't believe in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit of God stirring and churning in you today and moving does what? Points you to Jesus, which Jesus says, if you've known me, you've known the Father, for I and my Father are one. Amen? Listen, if you reject all of them, you have no more hope. So what happens to those angels? The reason they cannot be redeemed is because they have rejected Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have nothing else. They knew God in the Trinity in the fullness. And what? They were drawn away by Satan. Now, I didn't want to preach all that in order to get you there. But y'all looked like you liked it, so I just kept going with it. Amen? Listen, you know what his perception is? His perception is, is that he sees now he has no more access to the throne. He has no more access to go before the Father. He has no more opportunity to do what? To blaspheme your name, to uh, 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 slander your name before God. He has no more uh, privilege, and it was never a right for him at all. He has no more privilege to go before the throne. He sees what? He's got a little bit of time, and he sees that what? He's cast down unto the earth. And so you know what happens, church? It makes him mad, and it moves him to the next thing, the persecution from the dragon. His perception is, is I'll never be able to go back there. Well, you know what he's going to do? He's going to try his best to keep you from going there. You know what his perception is, is that he can never go to the throne of God. So you know what he's going to do, brother Edward? He's going to keep you from going there. He's like, well, if I can't go, then ain't nobody going. Right? And, 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 and if I can't go and my demons can't go, then I'm going to keep Andrew and Chris and I'm going to try my best to hold them down. He tried to do it to Jesus last Sunday. You remember we talked about it? Tried to hold him down to keep him from going back to the throne. But the Bible says he was caught away. Right? Listen, the Bible says, therefore, or excuse me, verse 13, it says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, look what he did. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. He now moves to persecuting Israel. You remember this woman was Israel. It wasn't Mary. It wasn't uh, Hagar or Sarah or none of them. It was Israel as a nation. He was persecuting them. And you remember, we talked a little bit about all of those Israelites throughout all the years, the nation of Israel, how they've been persecuted from the Rome, from the Babylonians, from the Medes and the Persians, from the Assyrians, from the Grecians, from the Romans, from, from the Germans, from Man, they're persecuted over and over, and then they still kind of rise up and bud up and come again. You know why? Because Israel was birthed by the sovereignty of God. Many of you go, well, where did Israel come from, Brother Steve? The land of Ur. The Bible says God spoke to a man by the name of Abram, and he said, I want you to get out of your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. 
And so he got his wife and he got all of his belongings and he got out of the father's house, the land of Ur. The Bible says that he came up by the river. And as he came up by the river there, that he came down into Jerusalem, into Israel, and he saw all the wonderful blessings of God. And God told Abraham there, Abram there that day, he told him, he said, all of these things are going to be yours. And your descendants and descendants and your descendants' descendants are going to walk this land. He said, they're going to raise children here. They're going to eat in this land that is milk and honey and do all these things. Listen, Abraham did did not do anything, okay, did not do anything to bring in the nation of Israel at all. God's sovereignty, he looked and said, Abram, that's it. It wasn't because, it never in the scripture says because Abraham was good, because Abraham did this. As a matter of fact, when we went to Israel, it's actually a a Jewish uh, rabbinical legend that Abraham and Abraham's father was an idol maker. That they'll tell you in uh, Jewish history, he was an idol maker. And that Abraham looked after he had made this God and carved it with his hands and sold it to this woman, that he said, why in the world would I worship a God that I just created with my hands? And she's taking at home in order to heal her husband or to heal her child and do all these things. He said, why would we do that? And because why, church? Because someone's heart started thinking about that there is a greater God. What did God do? God said, here I am. Hey, man, come on, that's the way he does it, right? Yeah, you ever, you ever, like, you ever watch uh, Andy Griffith and, and Gomer Pyle? You know, they kind of both come off of each other. I used to love it whenever Gomer Pyle, would, uh, Sergeant Carter would go, you know, Pyle, and he'd go, right here. You know what I mean? He'd go, Pyle, and I used to love it when he'd go, hootie hoo, right? Anybody ever watched that? Anybody my age ever stayed homesick and watched all those shows? Listen, it was like Abraham was looking, and the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, and he that believes that he is will be shown that God is who he is. And so there's Abraham fighting with the struggle of these are not right gods and false gods, and God goes, yeah, you're right, I'm right here. Now I want you to get out of your father's house and go to a land that I'll show you. Abraham said, yes, sir, went. He went, not even knowing where God was going to take him, he went. Amen? That's called what? Faith. That's what we're called to do, have faith in him. Listen, Israel was birthed by sovereignty or by the sovereignty of God when he chose them as a nation to bring in what? His son, his Messiah. But the difference in Israel and the church is this. Israel was birthed by the sovereignty of God, but the church was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were not birthed as though we understand we must be born again, as he says in uh, John chapter 3, verse number 3, telling Nicodemus. But what we understand is that now what this birth is is we're dying to our sins and trespassing sin and being raised to walk in the newness of life with Jesus Christ. Amen. We were bought. By the blood of Jesus Christ, he says, you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations, but with the precious blood of the Lamb without spot and without blemish. Amen. Listen, with the precious blood, Israel was brought out by God, but the church was bought out into God. Amen. I don't know if you like that or not, but I'm telling you something, it makes me happy. It makes me excited. Amen. And I don't know how you could sleep through it. Listen, here's the third thing. I know that you are thinking there's no way he's going to get it. We are. Here's the third thing. I want you to look at the path of the dragon. Uh, the other day, I don't know how many thousands of feet. I think they said 20-something thousand feet we were up in the air in an airplane. Not, I wasn't just, just 20,000 feet up in the air. I, I was in an airplane. Okay? And me and Patty were going over, and, and we were headed to North Carolina. My uh, uh, 
grandfather-in-law, Patty's grandfather, passed away, and we were going to the funeral, and it was uh, during the rain, so we were sitting on the tarmac at Birmingham for about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes before we ever got to even get up in the air, and because uh, uh, Atlanta was shut down, and then we get up in the air, and Patty was not wanting to be up in the air at that time because the storms and the winds and the turbulence and all that stuff, and, and, and people say, well, how do you do it, Brother Steve? I said, whenever we're fixing takeoff, I just go, God, if this is the way you've chosen to take me home, at least I'm closer. You know what I mean? That's all I say, because I can't sit back and think about it, because I don't want to think about it. You know, you're, we, and we got the fortune, fortunate seats of sitting right beside the big jet engine that's like, you know, so if it blows, there's, there's no chance for us. So we're going up, you know, and, and all of a sudden we get up there, and it's at night. But on the way back, man, it was great. The sun was shining, and it was like looking up on top of like a lookout mountain. I know we had to see a bunch of different states. I mean, we could see all through there. Patty's looking and stuff. And then all of a sudden, there's no clouds. There's nothing. And then there's turbulence like crazy. And it's like, y'all need to pay this road is what I was thinking. <clears throat> we were flying over Jefferson County. And uh, we, were, we were going over, and we're looking. Patty's going, look at that. And she was going, is that, is that a dam down there because of the big lake and the muddy water and stuff? And I was like, yeah, and you could see all the water. It was so muddy. But you could look back up in there, and you could see the, the good water, fresh water that was coming in. And, and uh, looking down at the rivers, and you could see it. I said, isn't it amazing? She's just over there just kind of looking. But like even the plots of land, everything is, just seems like it was carved out. It was laid out. It was fashioned. I said, doesn't it make it awesome that we understand even years ago they couldn't understand it because they weren't 20,000 feet up in the air but how it says that he formed the rivers and the valleys in the palm of his hands and if you look at those rivers what's crazy about those rivers is that sometimes they will even create other paths because of the overflow or the excess of water and that was what was going on uh, a couple of weeks ago with the rains and the mud was up the rivers were just out of its banks and was just cutting down through there doing all this stuff I want you to look at this scripture the Bible says in verse number 15 it says and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood the Bible says that the serpent was actually this when it says cast out of his mouth was talking about spewing it out and, and I don't mean to be ugly, and I know it's almost lunchtime for you, but it actually means he's vomiting this stuff out. He is spewing this out of his mouth. He, he is so angry <clears throat> at this Israel, at the people of God, because why would he be so angry? Because they have the blessings of God. They have the promises, the covenants. They have the Messiah, the child that was born of the woman. They have all of this stuff and the salvation of God. And what's the main reason that you would think Satan is so angry with this woman church it's this we want to write it down they have the redemption that he can never have they have a right justified standing with God because of the son that he will never attain because he rejected father son and holy spirit and so he despises and so he spews this hate and this anger out of his mouth. Some people think that when it speaks of this, that it's actually speaking about that it's armies that would come after. And that could be the case. You know, we're going to learn in Revelation 13, if we ever get there, we're going to learn about this. And it could be the case. But when you look at it, no matter what it is, it, it's this evil thing that he's spewing out. Back in the days of the 40s, uh, the uh, uh, early 40s, middle 40s and stuff, during the World War II, they, they had a thing that 
that Hitler kind of devised. If you don't know this, Hitler actually started not in uh, army and doing all of this stuff and bringing his presentation. He, he actually took what he knew because he was in World War I too. I don't know if you know this about Hitler, but he was a pigeon in World War I. He, he kind of went through the trenches and he would take notes, Brother Matt, of where people are going to be and strategies and he would deliver those things. But they had, back in those days, the mustard gas and other things. Well, Hitler had a beard on his face and, and they actually threw that gas in there and he almost died. He was in the hospital for every, he almost died because he couldn't get his mask to seal around his face because of his mustache and his beard. And so that's why, if you remember all the pictures that you see, he had that corners cut off and had that little bitty small mustache it was because he was not going to ever suffer that again and it would seal around his face. But in the first one, he actually saw where they failed at getting accomplished what the Germans wanted to get accomplished and what Nazi Germany wanted to get accomplished. And so while he was in the hospital, you would understand, and also in prison, he wrote out his great story, the Mein Kampf. He wrote out all of his plan. And his plan was to do this, to go and to invade churches and bring to them separation of church and state. Go, and he went and had services and had meetings in the local churches in Germany and began to tell them that you do not need the church, or excuse me, you do not need the government to do anything. You don't want anything from them, but his whole intention behind it all, which is a sneaky serpent that he is, was that yes, while I'm telling you, you don't want the government to tell you what to do, what my actual intentions are is that we don't want you bringing any of your doctrine and teaching into what we're about to do, okay? And so that's the way the sa uh, Satan and the serpent does. They actually had this phrase back in those days called Nazi propaganda. If you remember that, you would understand that the swastika, the, all of the images and Hitler and other things, they flooded the whole country. They hand out and they threw out leaflets all about communism and Nazi Germany. And they put the swastika on everything so that what? What would happen? It's in your face. It's in your face. It's in your face. Do you know that there are actually, and I don't want to get into detail about it, but there are actually organizations today that are pushing the agenda about uh, same-sex marriage and other things that have taken articles out of Hitler's mind camp in order to do these things because if we're in your face and it's constantly in your face, then you just got to accept it and you just got to go along with it. That's Satan's idea. What was in Adam and Eve's face all the time? The middle of the Garden of Eden. What's in your son or your daughter's face every single day? Cell phone. Listen to me now, and I know this is going to get a little bit more quiet, but you can listen to this, or you can turn me off to it, that's okay, but I'm trying to help you by sharing something with you. Used to, some of these people's days, in order to look at things ugly, they had to go and to steal stuff from the gas station, or they had to go and borrow it from their dad, right? And, and, and we're, people understand what I'm talking about in here, everybody. We, we're, we're human beings, right? You understand what's going on? In order to sin, it was hidden a lot. Well, now it's not hid. It's right there. It's absolutely right there in front of their face every single day. All kinds of sexuality, all kinds of it doesn't matter. Listen, I'm telling you, from all of that stuff to even Victoria's Secret commercials. Now, I ain't knocking you if you get something from Victoria's Secrets, but it ought to be in your bedroom. There's a reason it's called Secrets. <clears throat> Amen. Absolutely. And Victoria needs more Secrets. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about it's in your face. I don't need it. I never needed it while my boys were growing up, while we're trying to watch a stinking football game for it to come across there and me have to look at the boys and say, turn your head. 
and with daddy turning his head. And my boys would cover their eyes and I would cover my eyes. You say, why? Because I wanted my wife to know that I love her and that I don't want to look at that. And listen, there's another reason because of humanity, because of the fall and the nature of sin. I didn't want to be tempted by that stuff either. Amen. And so what do they say? It's in your face. If it's in your face, it's in your face, it's in your face. You just kind of have to roll with it, right? I mean, we do it all the time. Look at you. Look at you. You, you're, you are stuck with your face. You're stuck with it. And you go by the mirror every day and look at it. And you want it changed, but every day you look at it. And when you walk away, you go, well, that's just the way it's going to be. You know what I mean? The Bible says it was a flood. You know that when we went to the, we didn't go to the Roman Colosseum, but when we went to Israel, we went to uh, Roman uh, cities that were influenced. Uh, Beth Shean was one of them. It was beautiful. They have a huge Roman cardo that's there. They have a small amphitheater and stuff like that. But at the top, many of you, anybody ever been to a big football stadium or big baseball stadium before in your life? And uh, maybe you don't know what this, this word is, but uh, vomitory, you know what I mean? You, not a, only that, but you look at it, you know, those arches, and, and it's like a one-way in or a one-way out. And when you get out of your seat, you walk down aisle A2 in order to go because it, it's a vomit. It actually is the word for vomit. It's actually the word that means the, the Romans invented this, and they said, we need to get these people in and out of here as quickly as possible. And somebody said, well, what about vomit, right? <laughs> somebody said, what about that? That's in and out as fast as I know, right? And they made these things where they would just shoot the people out. That's what Satan's doing. That's Satan's plan. Satan's plan is not sitting over here, church, going, I'm going to get them soon. I'm going to figure out something. The Bible says no, that he comes in like a flood. That word for flood is patamos in the Greek. You know what it means? It means a river that is overflowing and swelling up so much that it is out of its banks. And do you know what happens? When the rivers get out of their banks, the lakes get out of their banks. And when the lakes get out of their banks, the dams begin to overflow. And when the dams begin to overflow, they begin to weaken and they begin to crack and they begin to decay. And then all of a sudden, when the rains of that devil that just continually seem like, oh, it's just little drips and little drips and little drips and, oh, Brother Steve, we're slowly losing all these things. Not, that's not the way that the Satan or the dragon perceives it all. He is going. Yes, it's out of the banks. It's overflowing. And what's going to happen? He's saying, I'm going to come in like a flood on top of you, and I'm going to choke the life and the oxygen and all of the things out of you. He's saying, I'm going to overflow, I'm going to overwhelm, and I'm going to crush you. That's the idea of what Satan wants to do. His path is not the path of least resistance. His path is, I'm coming in like a hurricane, like a flood, and I'm going to overrun all of this. You say, how could this be, Brother Steve? Because, I'm glad you asked, because at this time, do you remember there's already war on earth? There was a war in heaven and Satan lost. He did not prevail. But there is a war on earth. There are earthquakes that are happening. There are signs and wonders and stars and suns and moons and all these things that are falling out of the sky. And now Satan's jumping up and he's going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to attack them now while the iron is hot. I'm going to strike now while the iron's hot. And I'm just going to keep coming after them. And let me tell you something. In 1996, I received a VHS. You go home and explain it to your children in the mail that was called the gay agenda and everything that was spoken in that video is exactly what we've seen take place. You say, Brother Steve, do you not love? Yes, absolutely, I love everybody. Brother Steve, would you allow people to come in and hear the message? Absolutely, they're here. They're here. 
Amen. You, I'm going to tell you something. That person is no different from me when I was lost in my sins and a drunk and was running around with women and doing all that. We want to label sin, but sin is sin. Amen. It's wrong and it's wrong. And if it's always going to be sin, we need to help people in their sin and not keep kicking them over in their sin. Amen. Listen, the Bible says Satan's coming in like a flood. What do we need to do? We need to throw out some lifelines. For the love, we need to stop arguing about whether we're Southern Baptists, whether we're Independent Baptists, whether we got blue carpet or red carpet. We need to stop arguing about do we listen to praise and worship music or do we listen to Southern gospel music. It's time to grow up and go, you know what? It's time the church threw out the lifeline. It's time we looked at somebody's drowning out there, Brother Mitch, and we need to throw out the lifeline no matter what they look like, no matter what they talk like, no matter how they live. That's a soul, amen? You Every time you get on a plane, every time you get on a cruise ship, do you know that they do not count you as who you are? They do not go on there and say, we have Trey Peters on our boat today. They don't know the name. They don't care what Trey looks like. They don't care if he's got a little bit of scruffy beard. They don't care if he's tall and slender or whatever, if he's got a blue, a blue striped shirt on it. They don't care about all that. You know what they say? They say there are 293 souls on this boat. There are 293 souls that are on this plane. And it's time the church realized there are souls all around us. And we need to throw out some help. When I was lost, shameful. I don't like it. I don't like to talk about what I used to be. But I'm glad that there were a few that looked at me as a soul and not just a sinner. And they threw out a lifeline in health class, they threw out a lifeline in home ec. They threw out a lifeline by calling me on the phone with the cords that were this long back in those days to say, hey, will you go to church with me? Satan's spewing out a flood out of his mouth. I'm not going to be able to get the two, three, the three left. You were right, I was wrong. <clears throat> but I want to end and, and try to share this with you. Brother Brandon and Andrew, y'all can go ahead and come on. Satan's path is to do three things. John chapter 10, verse 10 shows it. John 10, verse 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible says three things, Brother Jack. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what he's trying to steal? Brother Brian, he tried to steal the throne of God in the beginning. This explains everything about that dragon. He tried to steal the throne of God, steal the glory of God. Not only that, but it says he tried to kill who? The Son of God. He's come to steal God's glory. He's come to kill God's Son and whoever else would be there. But look at these last words. If he's come, and we're understanding Revelation right, he's come to steal God's glory in his throne. He came to devour the child as soon as it was born of the woman, to kill the Son of God. And if we're understanding Revelation right, then that last word pertains to the church or to Israel and to us as the New Testament church. He wants to destroy you. In, in Georgia, there's a place called Tekoa Falls, Georgia. And it's over close to Dahlonega, Dahlonega and Helen, Georgia. Beautiful Dahlonega and Helen, Georgia, very beautiful places. And there's a, there's a place out there kind of in between called Tekoa Falls, Georgia. And when I was about 15 years old, my grandmother had a book. And, I, you know, they, days are different. I know that. And I'm not trying to get us to reverse and go back. And some of you people that want to reverse and always go back to the old days and stuff. I, I just got two words for you. Air conditioner. <clears throat> 
Why would you want to go backwards? I'm sitting there, you know, Sunday afternoons as a kid when I was young, from, from little bitty all the way to about 15, 16 years old, man, some of those afternoons seemed like they lasted for a whole week. You'd be sitting over at your great-grandmother's house, you know, on the back porch and back in those old glass rooms and they had those glass louvers that were louvers that were all individual ones you know and, and they had an aloe vera plant as big as that keyboard you know and i was a kid my my sunday afternoon was spent you know going over there and breaking them limbs and little arms off the aloe vera plant and just squishing them you know what i mean bored bored boring days <clears throat> remember my grandmother told me said well why don't you read stevie <laughs> I was like, well, I don't have anything to read. And she threw me this book. And this book was called Dam Break in Georgia. And it was about Tekoa Falls. And there was so much rainfall in that year that in that valley and where it was, they, they had dammed it up and made this small little lake. But the waters just kept coming down and kept coming down kept coming down with that that dam it was spilling over it was lapping over the top of it and and you know how riders ride they use words like lapping and you know so it was lapping over the top and down at the bottom there was houses there were trailers all through the little bitty creek or the river that was under there and there was a college there and all kinds of kids that attended that college and I'll never forget getting to the part in that book where it talked about that that late that evening it was into the night like 10 30 or 11 i can't remember exactly time but it says that, that that water was overlapping that dam so much and that the structure was giving way that the whole thing just broke and all of a sudden people were describing it listen to me now people were describing sitting in their homes watching their small little crate tvs you know cart tvs and they're, they said it was a sound like just rumbling, just roaring coming down through there. You know why? Because this massive water was coming through and was ripping trees down, breaking limbs. And all of this sound was coming. And one man said that as he was sitting in his house, that it was just normal. It was a little single-wide trailer. It was just normal. said, and then all of a sudden, within seconds. Now, these people that are in this book are the ones that made it through. Not the many that died, but the ones that made it through. But within seconds, he said, it was just noise, boom. And I was totally, totally engulfed with water. He said things were thrown around. I was hitting tree limbs, all of this stuff. But I'll never forget reading a young lady's story that attended college there. Said that when all of that water overwhelmed and just swept over them, that she just, one breath, and took in all kinds of trash and mud. Said that she was actually pinned up against trees and the water was just still just pressing and pressing on her to where literally listen to me she said literally when she was underneath that in all of that noise that was going on her facial bones were cracking and that she could hear it just like when you put your fingers in your ears and you pop your you know your jaw and all that stuff and you hear she said she could hear all of that going on and I'll never forget as a young man reading that book going what they went through that must have been the most horrible thought that they could ever have like to the intensity of 10 times you know like could you imagine not catching your breath and not doing those things and the fierceness of that water and the flood that comes in you know that's exactly what satan is wanting to do see we look at it and go oh it's all right it's okay. It's just a little thing. 
you know, you look at your kids and go, oh, it's just a little thing on the phones. Oh, it's just little words. Oh, it's just little stuff. Oh, it's just little. And raindrops seem very little until they come more and more and more and more and more. In our society today, oh, it's just little changes. And Brother Steve, we can't always have it like we had in those days. I'm all for change. I like change. I don't like sinful change. Sinful change is different. And we go, oh, well, it's just a little bit. But you don't understand. This stuff is building to this climactic end. This, it's going to be this huge ending. And Satan is going to come in like a flood river to where what does he want to do? He wants to take everything in your life. Church, you know what he wants? He wants you to hear it all breaking in front of you. Marriages are done that way. Marriages that start out with God's name and God's wonderful promise on it. And they go, oh, it's just a little, oh, it's just a little, oh, it's just a little. Until it's crushing them. Until it's crushing them. Church, I want to give you this scripture. I don't know if, Brandon, if you can find it. I don't even know if I can find it, but it's at the very end. The Bible tells us uh, in Isaiah 59 and verse 19. It says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. It says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, look at these words, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. See, when the enemy is coming in like a flood, then God will lift up a standard against him. You know what that means? I promise I'm, I'm leave, we're leaving. We're leaving in a minute. But you know what that means? Is that the whole time Garrett Satan was trying to get you, Brody trying to get you, Brian trying to get you, in this fashion, come here, you can help me out. These, these teenagers don't like to be in the way. Come here, David. You play the devil for me. All right. He's trying his best. He wants to get to Brian because he despises Brian. Please, please don't miss this. Don't close your Bibles. Don't, don't turn it off. Don't miss this. I know these are simple illustrations, but this helps us. Satan is trying his best to get him. He's trying his best to do what? He wants to destroy him. He wants to flood his life. Brother Craig, he wants Brian to feel his life and bones cracking with inside of him. But the Bible says that Jesus comes along. And it says, Sister Darla, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Lord will raise up a standard against him, a tender blade of grass. Amen. And one, the root of David. Amen. The branch of Jesse stands in the way to where you can't get past him. Amen. In order to get to him. Church, he will come in and he will help you. But if you choose to push Christ out of the way, then the enemy will come in like a flood. Amen. Father, as we...